what's up, guys? It's Amari here. I'm here with Ed. Yo, we're back in studio, bro. It feels amazing. It we fe- have to take some time off to get it right. No, it's way more comfier. It's going to sound better. Already yeah. sounds a lot better. <laughs> I hear you better. Yeah, it's we- not an AirPod to this time. Oh, no. I. That was my mistake. I should have thought that through. Like, the sound quality on the wire is going to sound a lot better than the wireless. The mic's straight on my like my face. When I listen back, I heard like the birds chirping, the window closing, cars passing. I'm like, fuck, I really did that one. You know, I think it, it was a tactic by us to, you know, brag about how good our quality's been so far and to yeah. remind you like we're two young dudes having that this level of quality so far and this is what you could have dealt with. Yeah. Here we're we trying are. to be consistent, <laughs> but not cocky. Let's get into your head, Omari, because we're in double digits now. It feels official as fuck. No, I'm definitely getting cocky just because I'm normally not confident. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm on some fake it till you make it type shit. But we in episode twelve, yeah. so we're in cool. We're from Queens, bro. We're you the- gotta fake it till you make. You gotta ask fifty that question. The subject of today's pod. Yes, um, you know, Edwin was on YouTube, I think, and just. You know, I was just chilling, yeah. Chilling. I, I was curious. I don't know why. Th- no, I know why this came to mind. Because I was thinking of the rappers of today. Little Pump specifically. Um, he has almost close to 900 million listens, uh, uh, well, views on his um, YouTube video, Gucci Gang. And I just thought about, you know, those characters of when I was younger. And I really thought about 50 Cent. And I'm like, holy shit, bro. Like, none of his videos have a billion views. But they're damn near close. When you think about all the artists of the time, like, he's he's up there in the club, has 760 mil. And I think that's the one that was most listened to. And it's just like, damn. Even though he's not there, like, yeah, we applaud him for that. But how doesn't 50 have a billion views? I mean, it's a good question. And, you know... Thinking about it, you know, you can get into the mode of saying, like, well, how does Lil Pump have these numbers with 50 dozen? Like, clearly yeah, it gets me tight, but not not really, because it's it's a different time. Yeah, it's a different time, and I, I think, you know, people our age and younger, it's like, we don't really remember what happened in, like, the In The Club video like that. Yeah. You know, we might remember the Tiger and Gucci Gang or, like, some of the dances in, like, a Hotline Bling video, but for that song, the moment's more about hearing it at a spot. You know, hearing what up gangsta at like a freaking club, like that's gonna ring True. off for years and it still has. Like that's a staple in any New York club you go to, any function. But that's you go for to. like an older audience. I'm thinking like I was a kid, so how am I consuming this music? How am I relating back to it? So I think about the music videos and how they used to sell that shit on the street too. Like you can actually watch the video and, and oftentimes it was hella pornographic, like hella explicit. Like I feel like they're the reason we're forced to I don't I don't know the real story behind it. You definitely educate my ass on the little explicit sticker. But um oh. like the shit they were just creating. It was like like this some real hoodlum shit. Well, the explicit sticker thing goes way back. Um and I that actually is like on some geeky like art shit. That's a fire design cuz like It is. Uh, album covers don't look the same without it, even yeah, if there's the, yo, no they, cursing. <laughs> you know it's some bad shit, like, oh, I'm breaking the rules. <laughs> Especially when you're young, bro. Yeah. And for me, that that was what it was, consuming 50. is like, yo, I'm not supposed to like be listening to this shit. But it's reminiscent of everyone I know around me. Yeah, you know, especially both of us growing up in Queens. But I think with 50, it's like... That music's always going to follow us, but, you know, maybe the visuals weren't as, like, 
focused and all that. They were good. Yo, you've seen the In the Club video, right? Like, well, the, yeah, but it's... The story is hilarious, bro. Like, you're, you're, you're talking about a club banger and he's like this this um, subject in, in this laboratory just working out. And M's in it, Dre's in it. I just feel like that meant more back then, but like it doesn't it really did. You're it right. doesn't really translate to something you like. Well, maybe I'm speaking from just my personal view, but it doesn't really translate to something I think of more so than remembering it and like maybe chuckling it? a little and yeah. then like I don't I don't want to rush to rewatch that yeah. in the same way I might do with like some older videos. But it hasn't resurfaced in meme culture. I haven't seen old fifty videos resurfaced in meme culture and everything that he was creating I feel like is indicative of meme culture. Like he was always not a facade because like, I don't know. I've read, have you ever read his biography actually? I haven't. Um, We can talk about it then like another time, but I read that shit when I was little. It had a huge influence on how I looked at 50 Cent too because it was like the only biographies I've read at that point were like Roberto Clemente, David Ortiz, and 50 Cent. Like two Two baseball legends that come from, like, my background, and I'm just like, oh, that's cool. I played baseball growing up. And then, like, this admiration for hip-hop and, like, this black icon telling me, like, his upbringing. And it was just like, holy shit, like, this is so real. Like, he went through some real shit. Like, his mom made him go back outside and fight. Like, and that's something that always sticks with me, even now as an adult. And just reading that and reading all the details of him coming home and shit like that. And... I don't even know where this was going because it had something to do with yeah you just didn't read it and I did and there's no difference in that just like we were talking about the, the video you were making the point of the facade thing or whatever like yeah like meme yeah culture yeah all right he could still create this facade in spite of like all the real shit he went through like all the shit he was creating is a facade we could agree on I don't know if facade's the right word maybe it's like it's like building off of the truth, like some like what is it the phrase? It's like you know, there's truth in even fiction or whatever. Like it's like paid in full. Like the movie itself was yeah, based on you true know, events. like he's not telling on himself in his records, but yeah. it's coming from an authentic perspective. It's not necessarily That's an authentic account. Yeah, and even like rap groups, I don't know of like they're definitely. I'm not gonna say he's the first, but he was of my generation. My generation, yeah, like G-Unit was the clan to follow. Like, that was the group of the time. They took their brand and they became something you also copped at, like, um, Foot Locker. You copped a pair that looked like Reebok. No, definitely, because, like, by the time we were, like, growing up and more, like, conscious of this stuff, like, Rockefeller wasn't, like, was already starting to split. So G-Unit and, like, that shit, like, that was everywhere. That. That Is was, that when he sold it? Uh, kind of the, uh, I mean I, I think well, You and Jay I work on different I gotta say Timetables But I think that was Close to the time Where like It was starting to split And like there was definitely It wasn't like The same empire it was Like Like during G-Unit But they There was definitely Some overlap You know but G-Unit just exploded And I think it's like Multiple factors The fact that Not only is this authentic Like movement And group that like People are following with But you know The backing from A Dr. Dre you know, getting Eminem's momentum to be a part of it. There's just so many, like, good factors to go behind. And even just the business acumen of 50 and his manager at the time, Chris Lighty, who's, like, a legend in his own regard, it's like there were so many factors that were done right with it that led to it being what it is. Yeah. 
And uh, just like even before coming to record today, I was talking to my boy Kevin about 50 because I was telling him like we're going to have, which by the way, he'll probably come on as a, a guest hopefully soon. We're figuring that out, but guests come soon. Just a little throw in. Yeah, we got to add some company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so the company I had earlier today, my boy Kevin, I was talking to him about 50 and he was telling me like, wow, you know, bringing that up. Um, I thought about 50 and his international presence and how like he was able to recognize that an American market's a lot different from everything else that's playing in the world. So I was just confused why Jay's Jay's videos like never even reached close to what um, 50 touched, which is 760 million, close to a billion. Still curious why he hasn't hit the a billion. Um, and it was really like, wow, 50 played around the world way more than Jay has. Maybe Jay's a bigger influence on hip hop, how it's developed. You could definitely school the shit out of me any day on this type of talk. But, um, in terms of like marketing reach and money reach and popularity of the time, like G unit and 50 was out there, like in the world. Well, I think once again, it's like a timing thing. So like. You know, Jay had that phase where he was president at Def Jam and stuff like that. But I remember listening to uh, Prodigy's book and he was talking about going on tour with like G-Unit internationally. And like, you know, like in the European markets, they know all their lyrics and shit. You would swear it was like Queens like that they were in. And I think that's something a lot of rappers kind of underestimate is um, the, the reach they have um, overseas. But I think with Jay, like not going overseas, like. Obviously now when he's on these arena tours with Beyonce, he's hitting all these like arenas. But and her that, audience. Yeah, but back then it was it, it, it's kind of like a hassle to like perform at like some of those smaller venues in Europe to like some artists because it's like yeah the bag is nice, but you know maybe like the security ain't the same over there or it's like you know it, it's just like a different vibe than like. Um, touring like domestically here like you see all the time like rappers pull out of festivals like in europe and stuff like that like, like fire festival <laughs> <laughs> well these festivals i'm talking about actually like happened there were there weren't any fema tents and stuff like that but Chill, bro. um <laughs> uh I, th I think that's a big part of it you know 50 you know he's probably one of the artists who will say like nah fuck it i'll go to europe i'll, I'll get that you know european bag he had a bullet vest anyway yeah <laughs> and touchable <laughs> and i think that's part of it but I, I think as far as like the reach he had i think it, it's like i said it's part of being associated with the eminem phenomenon and it's also just you know a testament to how good he was with making like these radio hits these club hits you know i think like jay didn't have his first number one till empire state of mind and not to make really? it like a yeah that was his first oh, number shit. one record that felt that feels recent as old as yeah, that I mean, that, that's her last time the Yankees won a, a title. Oh, nine? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, eight, oh, nine, yeah. So it, not not to make this a, a conversation about Jay and 50, but that's like the comparison we use, but it, it's just part of it. I think... They're of the same you time. You look at like his like crossover potential, it's like, you know, you could play you could play at 21 questions, something like that, and it, it just has a different appeal. That's my favorite 50 song of all time. Bro. Really? All it goes between that and um I wanna I wanna love you. I think that's what it's called. Might be wrong, get smacked in the face, but it's off Beg for Mercy, the G Unit album. And it's the Marvin Gaye cover I for know um, that Come to See You. I wouldn't be able so to, like, to I wanna that be your lover. 
I know, I know what sample you're talking about. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know the record. Oh, oh, damn. Um, top two for me. Um, but also when I think about Fifty, like I'm just I'm enamored by that question. How do you get him to a billion? Because Fifty still has a a very active presence in today's world too. And we talk about meme culture. I feel like the best memes bang that bang are often nostalgia from our childhood in cartoons mostly though. Like the Dexter. My favorite meme of 2018 that like should still be in this year is the you seen the girl who whispers in Dexter's ear and he says some shit. Oh yeah, the Spanish one. Yeah, yeah, my fit. Yeah, I mean the best one I saw was with the cover. uh, Um, it had skirt. skirt, You know the song "Skirt Skirt" by Dear Dear Silas Silas. I actually don't. Oh, okay, that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that was like my favorite meme. But just bringing that nostalgia in with something happening right now and all the yo like his music videos are fucking comical. Like almost all of them, or like they're just really funny. I mean, I think like um, with that kind of stuff, it, it 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 depends. So like you know, one one like video thing that's like a meme. Well, that gets a lot of traction is like um, Kelly Rowland and like the dilemma video of Nelly. Like she's typing in, into Excel like his number. And Are you serious? Like, and it's like, what the hell? I like, don't think I've seen that. Yeah, and so in like, Excel. Yeah. And so it's like Bill Gates paid the bag for that. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's just like, all right, who uses Microsoft Excel to message someone? Yo, hold up, word. Like, I need to write your number down. Let me open my Google Drive right quick. So, like, that's like a funny meme that likes popped up. And but like, there's just a lot of hip hop moments that you know you think would be a meme that like a lot of people just aren't hip to. And like, you know, that's where like some of my older friends like put me onto. Like, shout out to Bob and Andres for like putting me onto like that freestyle where Cam's like counting his money while like freestyling. Cool like, guy, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's my guy, bro. Yeah, we're shout out. We gotta have Andres on too, and Def- Bob when he can. Definitely, it'd be a fun time. But like, I feel like there's stuff like that that like, you know, obviously a lot of people know, but it's just like, you know, who's making the memes? It's young kids, so it's yeah. like for the most part, kind it's of bound to resurface. Hopefully, yeah. All right. So what? All right. What if I gave like, all right, you worked for a big marketing agency like Fuck Jerry, that does things for so. Cause all right, if I gave Fifty any any way that he still lives today, it's through social media, through Instagram. And I gave you this project that you know this social marketing brand to say, yo, take Fifty's in the club video, and find a way to organically get two hundred and fifty thousand more views. Or mil- fuck, two hundred fifty million. See, I would go a different route. I wouldn't pick a video for fifty, and that's where like I think this argument lies. It's like I would pick an interview soundbite or something from one of his Instagram clips. It's like the, you know, like the Takashi like stupid thing or like Kodak saying I hope so. Like yo, I, yo, I fucking like love that, that meme. That's son. the type of stuff like those kind of personalities <laughs> can pop off with. But like the chuckle. Yeah. That shit gets me every time, son. And and so it's like or like, you know, Soldier Boy with the Drake? Like that that's They know stuff, what they're doing. It's though. like it's part of but that's like something that could catch on and you can just flip that to a bunch of different things, which is ultimately like what makes a meme is like yeah. how many ways can you apply it 
And I think with 50, it's like, I might use something of him, like, talking shit to Ja Rule still, and, like... Damn. And, like, or, like... Especially with the fucking clout Ja Rule got the, right the now. the Floyd stuff. I remember that was a meme for a while, Yo. when he challenged Floyd about reading. The reading? Yeah. Yo, son, he gave him the little book? Yeah, so it's like, I think that's where, that that's the route you have to go, and I think that's the route 50 recognizes, it's, it's like... You know, people are watching the Fire Festival and they're saying, you know, I can't wait till 50 watches it and peeps like how he can cut ass on Ja Rule about this. And I think that that's the route with it. And I think, you know, you, that's what I mean by saying like, yeah, his videos are comical, but it's not memorable the same way some of his interview stuff or some of the stuff he might say like on, on social media is. All right, but I'm, I'm going to hold you to this. Your job still to get 250 million views on this video. So if you want to use interview bites to bring traction back to his music, uh, that's the task not, at hand. I uh, know it's difficult. Probably not then. I mean, I might... I really, cause I don't remember what song was playing when he performed at Summer Jam and they threw a chair at him and he caught it. Chill, but like, fifty, yeah, that happened. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> but it's like those moments are more memorable than like the stuff on the video. And like, I don't know, I can't really say what 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 I would do just because you know that's not a video I know by heart like that. But yeah, uh, yeah, but I'm looking at it more in the sense like. We look at the impact MTV had on music videos. I, I think MTV and BET, too, played a role in his video exposure. Because I'm not saying it's for his music. I'm speaking specifically on music videos, yeah. which is like a business in itself in music, I would say, right? Like, not every great musician has a great music video. No, definitely not. Especially when it's just like... Like, I feel like back then it was just about getting the video out about the record and like yeah. having some kind of comical theme, but it, it's not like. But it's baffling. Like if music videos were that important, it would be baffling as fans for us to look at. You know, Jay's listens, for instance, on a YouTube, not on a Spotify or things like that. I just think some artists don't really like. For a while, Drake was in like his videos were super forgettable. Yeah. No. Yeah, we were just yo. I'm curious, bro. I really want this to surface somehow. How the fuck is it that Best I Ever Had is not under Drake's name on YouTube? I like, did he drop that sh You said what? My theory was that it was something with the sample or just the fact that he might not have been signed then. I hope this question gets answered because... But, um, the like, are you embarrassed? <laughs> like, but, that's just my question. But dude, like, really? Like, the video stuff, it, it really depends on the artist. Like, it, it's... A lot of people just, you know, not not to downplay, like, the records that are associated with Drake's videos. But for a while, that was a knock on him until really, like, Hotline Soft Bling. Drake. Nah, not the and Hotline Bling is, I think, one of the only ones with a bill. So that that's why, because that was one of the ones. He, and now, you know, you see a concerted effort where, you know, the videos. Sicko mode. Sicko, well, not just that, but all of the Scorpion rollout. That oh, was all true. videos. God pl God's plan, the money. Close to a, close to a bill. Um... Uh, I think uh, it was I'm upset. What was her name? The the grassy thing. The girl who directed these. Uh, Karina Evans. Yo, shout Karina Evans. She's the, she got a bell. Dude, she's you know, and shout out to Drake for continuing to work with her and to put her on. But she's amazing. Yeah, like she even did SZA's record uh, Garden. Great I video too. Um, but that that's what happens when you get bring in someone with that kind of vision and you really stick to making the visuals work. But you know, you could easily mail it in once you know you have a record that just goes like. Yeah. And I think that's what happened before. I think 
for a lot of people it was in that era it was from from what i understand it's about like you know how much of my jewelry am i showing off you know um how many of my like the people in my group can i put in this and yeah. like get those cameos off it's not really about you know this like artistic like i made the artsiest movie like video this year or the funniest one i think that was just a thing in the era back then it was like those like radio freestyles are probably more notable from then than like the videos yeah i would say like if i had to say what you said in a dumber like simpler way well, not dumber i'm gonna give myself some credit but <laughs> simple like it's that these people just want to put their brand out in the world and in their time of coming up it just so happened that MTV was in its prime. So it's like, how can I make my shit stand out more? How can I scale out to a bigger audience? I have a compelling video to go with my song so that maybe some people's first encounter with my shit is the song, um, the video. Uh, and I think 50, during his time, did a really good job of that. Like, I say in the club because it's the one that has the most views. And when you watch it, too, shit's hella comical. Like, it's so good. And when you think about the the people in that video, like, M only got to a billion because Rihanna was in his video for I Love the Way You Lie. And you that show was really funny what you said earlier because I'm thinking about it like, but Superman was so funny, so good. And it's only got like a hundred and something million. It's also like the era. So like, I, you yeah. know, I remember being on YouTube when that video came out, like Love the Way You Lie. And like, I, I haven't even seen it. I saw it for the first time. I thought it was fucking weird. <laughs> like, did Pink make this? I'm confused. Well, the other thing is... um the competition of videos at the time so yeah um well not just that but also how many artists are are out there and that's the other thing it's like you have less videos circulating compared to the way you do now and you know not th yet there's more there's more um you're held more accountable now in, in this era i would say with your visuals because there's you could easily just say you know fuck it i don't need to watch this video i'm gonna just keep listening to the record if it's yeah. not good because we have so many good music videos mess and up records. my view yeah. of this song yeah so I, I think that's what it was it's like you can bank on the fact that just the money and the budget alone for this video is gonna make it work because yeah the record's already working it was a different type of cycle of consuming that's what i think like yeah. for a period MTV kind of died out with like all this rap blog stuff going on and I'm not saying like it went from MTV to rap blogs but like in terms of maybe where the money was flowing like people moved on to like that piff and SoundCloud and it wasn't so much what you're getting from MTV but what are you hearing from these like un uh, underground people that we want to expose well, not, and put in the mainstream not just that but the fact that you know to bring it back to what Soldier Boy has been talking about it's the fact that like him independently can get his song on like that get, facts get that dance working it's like another part of um, you know the difference is that you know, you think about what Vine did with Bobby Shmurda. It's like taking advantage of the of the um, the technology and where the internet's at. I think the era we're thinking about with Fifty is like what followed after is MySpace stuff, and so that's a different way of consuming the the music and getting on. That's just way different than you know. Here's my YouTube video. I'm promoting it on Instagram as well. I'm giving you the sneak peek. You know, I'm wearing a yeah. wig in this video. It's like, it's just a totally different way of promoting it. Because I feel like now videos are the way that people are enticing some people to just check the record out for the first time. Yeah, nah, but I love that you brought up Soldier Boy. Because when you bring that up, I instantly start thinking about his impact on these little routines we have. The little, um, the, what's this shit called? The shoot dance and all the other... 
not that was not I'm not trying to give credit to Fortnite, but all the dances you see in Fortnite are essentially what people are hitting now. Millie Rock. Yeah, Millie, yeah. You know, Harlem shaking, like whatever, like Yeah. Not to yeah, saying for basically saying for now I just you know, elongated what I was trying to say, but just by saying Fortnite, it's like you know the moves I'm talking about. Um and and he was like the originator of the crank that like but you you don't know how to do the crank that without watching the music video itself because that's how you're gonna learn it. And then like so many how to videos came out on YouTube and because of his crank that um Soldier Boy video, I just looked it up while you were talking too. 378 million views. Like I gotta credit Soldier Boy for being able to do that independently off a movement of a dance. Like and then from there he's already built out his following. Yeah. I, I think it's some artists are visual artists in that way. Um, I, I think that's just the biggest component of this is that Fifty, it's his words and like the slick shit he's gonna say that that's always gonna and make show him you. In, in you beer. know it's yeah. gonna be fucking like uh, vulgar in some way. Yeah. And uh, you, you called him what a likable asshole. I think that that that's the brand. It's like, and that I say that in the most respectful way possible. I love Fifty too. I, lo- I love Fifty Cent. He's also a cancer. You know, he's from Queens. We out here, and it's just like I think that's that's why people are excited to see what he has to say about a lot of things. When it's like, oh, if he's gonna get involved, it's about to be really funny. Power? Uh, not. I'm, I thought you were gonna say good. What do you mean? Like, I, I'm saying power in response to good, but then you said funny, and then I said power, like a oh. drama series. <laughs> I thought I knew my co-host better. Sorry, guys. I mean, listen, 12 episodes isn't enough <laughs> to think you got me. <laughs> I got a girlfriend, bro. This is a complicated third relationship to build. Listen, man. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think um, that, that affects this at all. It's it's just me. You That's know, something she would tell me. I'm on some, I'm on my 2019 shit, bro. I'm bringing a different type of energy to the pod. Yeah, um, that's true. Speaking of 2019, different energy. Anthony Davis said, "I want to go to L.A." <laughs> As of today, oh, he yeah. said L.A. No, man, you tampering, bro. I'm not trying to get a fine from the NBA. <laughs> Listen, man, he wants out of New Orleans. Um, look, it's the timing of it. Like, I've seen a lot of writers mention, it's just indicating he's going to L.A. Because um, something that, you know, some people might not know is that he can't be traded to Boston right now. Because Unless, Kyrie, they, unless right? they trade Kyrie, which they're not going to. But there's uncertainty with his future. Who? Kyrie? Yeah. But still, they would look nuts. For tra- I mean, Rozier could definitely hold his own. And that's, you know, the last playoff run. Horford back at power forward, like, you know, his Atlanta Hawk days. That'd be that'd be wild to dump Kyrie in New Orleans, but um, he's not resi- resigning though. No, of course not, and that that's why that trade probably wouldn't happen unless they add something crazy. But I, I was reading today that they ultimately want to have a core of Kyrie, Tatum, and and Davis should they make a move. But I think the timing of it is just you know the Rich Paul connection. It, it, every indication is just pointing to the fact that this is I want to go to the Lakers because arguably they have the second best like group of assets that are you know that realistically a team would offer and so i think that that's where he's at with this thing and it's just funny it's happening while lebron's injured and it's just like lakers are breaking down luke walton rumors i don't know it's it's so messy there it's it's really crazy but it's messy in a way la's supposed to 
Uh, there's some people who would say the otherwise, but definitely what's been the case for the re- past recent years. And, like, I don't know. I think with Anthony Davis, it's such a ground-shaking thing because of the caliber of player he is. You know, this is a top-five player for sure. And he's also someone who's not... You don't look at him and say, like, oh, he needs to be the man. Like, it's different with a with a big man being, like, the number two. Because you don't look at that as a playmaker and say, like, oh, I'm going to have to give up the ball all of a sudden. In fact, you probably find it more enticing to play with someone like Anthony Davis. The way he opens up your Compliments game. Compliments anybody's game. Defense. Just be real. Yeah. And so. And does the defensive shit you don't want to do. If I'm LeBron, I, I look at acquiring someone like him and say, you know, like, this is what's going to keep my career going longer. It's what's going to guarantee the Lakers being competitive and that's why like some of the offers I saw people suggesting like oh this is what New Orleans is going to ask like the Lakers are making that trade right as we speak right now before business closes if that's the case like what if it's Kyrie AD LeBron that's 2020 I mean that's that's the funny thing about like after the Kyrie apology is like him and LeBron like interacting on social media yo you saw uh, oh his IG stories yeah the reunion or whatever the fuck he was listening to yo fuck you LeBron like social tampering in ways referees can't keep up with look man it's I think I think the two of them probably realized they left each other way too soon you know like I love that they're recognizing that way before Kobe and Shaq did. Because it's a different type of situation, you know. And time. Yeah, because Kyrie, like, you know, that whole apology is based on the fact that he sees where LeBron's coming with, which is really hilarious how that works. But Uh, but how was he with Kevin Love, a former teammate at this point? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's really hilarious. To me, yo, it's like I said in an earlier pod. This is some shit like narrated perfectly for Hollywood for like the NBA to bank on. And I'm not saying all this shit is fake. Like these people are fucking insanely athletic and they do things I could have never imagined uh, a James Worthy even doing in spite of how great he was during his time. But like this shit is just such a fucking novella, bro. Like. I watch this shit, I'm like, of course he's going to get hurt and they're going to go through this terrible run and the blame is going to go on the coach as it did with David Blatt when he was back in Cleveland. And, like, they're going to bring in somebody legendary or some some young guy and, like, he's I, just going to listen to LeBron. Imagine Ty Lue again. Ty Lue's free. Imagine him and Mike Brown on some LeBron reunion bullshit. Well, Mike Brown's with the Warriors still, but Ty Lue would be hilarious. Yo, he already pulled JaVale away, you know? Like Mike Brown, a little bit of money, just one interview, a first-round pick maybe that Lakers don't need. Maybe well, maybe they sign Mo Williams. Oh, my God. Or Delonte West. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. No, um, getting, back <laughs> to more, getting back to a more serious note with this, I, I think... You know, if the Pelicans decide for whatever reason they want to get this over with before the season's over, then he's going to L.A. But if they do the smart thing and wait until the summer where they know who has the number one overall pick. Like the Knicks? I I wouldn't trade. I hope they wouldn't do something as dumb as, like, trading, like, Zion for Anthony Davis. Like, and that's not me saying that you don't take Anthony Davis over Zion. That's just me speaking as a Knicks fan who's tired of like the rebuild getting broken up. But um I, I, I think feel that the, so hard. The Pelicans need to wait because they can just wait for Boston to trade with them. I was talking with my dad yesterday, bro, and I literally said 
for the first time in like my whole life, I actually like the young guys the Knicks have. They're actually embracing people like Damian Dotson and Alonzo Trier outside of the known young guys like Chris Stapps and Kevin Knox and even the point guard battles they're having. The oldest point guard in that battle is a 26-year-old Burke who still has potential as an undersized guard. Obviously not a Kemba when we think about like dominant un- undersized scoring guards, but even like the potential of Nilakina and, and Moutier, like... I've never actually been excited about young guys we have on the roster. Oh, they don't stick around for much because I remember ass, bro. I remember reading like during the draft that like the Knicks hadn't um you know ex- extended a rookie since like David Lee and Nate Robinson and then That's before, disgusting. before that it was even longer than that because you know like the Knicks have had all types of people Trevor Reza, like Channing Fry, like they and, traded a rookie of the year. And just trading all these, like, picks and just never properly rebuilding, never actually getting in the lottery. And that's, you know, that's why we got a player of the caliber of Porzingis because they actually tank for once. And draft well. Yeah, and so I, I think that's the exciting thing for this year. But, you know, I think that's the crapshoot with a lot of NBA teams right now is that if your team isn't, like, looking like they could win seriously like a lot of people want to tank because you have a prospect like Zion. lebron and f the warriors like there's a lot of lebron inks with you today no 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 because i know the way like i'm looking at it i love lebron as a person don't get me wrong but i just think it's insane for the nba like i want to see some some love on other teams why is it always like how does it go from kobe to lebron like why can't I'm, I was totally fine with him finishing his career in Cleveland and, like, fine, whatever. Like, you're the Cleveland guy. I, I, I don't blame him at all for leaving Cleveland. It's like, but this, not even leaving Cleveland. Like, why you didn't come to New York, bro? Or, like, go back to all Miami. Right, let's, let's and that's not, it's just here. like, it's always the Lakers. It's uh, always the Lakers. But not recently. Not, what do you, it's every generation, every decade gets a fucking Laker franchise. And it's like, why can't another team get some shine? Like, what the fuck? I mean, yeah, they got no. LeBron, which is a And then they had deal. they had Kobe and they had Shaq and they had Kareem and they had Magic and they had James Worthy and they had fucking the white guy, Jerry West. Oh my He's God. literally the logo. Like every decade has gotten to say, Yeah, the Lakers. Yeah, that right. was a good team. But that I mean that's Or the, they are a good team. That's the brand, but for like the past couple of years, you know, they couldn't even get a meeting like the biggest thing for them was getting a second meeting with LaMarcus Aldridge. Like they had they were joking uh, for But what, for two years, three years? There's literally franchises who can't get rookie extensions. I mean, yeah, but the thing is it's like <laughs> Look we, at New Orleans, we bro. All, we all know after C P three wanted out. Like All right, but that that's what happens when you don't draft well or put put together a team around, you know, Anthony Davis properly. But Milwaukee's still getting shine. Like it's it's just a matter of these organizations doing what they have to do. Like I think the Nuggets are doing like super smart things with their team. Like I, I the don't type think of characters the they draft though is different. It's like, just a media thing with yeah. with how like the fact that you have the combination of a Lakers narrative and LeBron that's going to be a big deal. But you know that's what he opted to do. But I, I don't I don't think like there's some Lakers fatigue happening right now. I don't I'm, think so. I'm glad that they're good again. It, I'll say for me, there's Harden fatigue. I, I'm totally against. I'm so this. glad CP3's back. But it, it 
this Harden stuff has been exciting, man. This guy's dropping 40 at will. He was averaging like 40 at will with 16 free throws. And fine, whatever. Without the free throws, he still leads the league. But I'm still not enjoying it, bro. I'm watching this shit in live time. And I'm like, I'm, this is the calmest 40 I've ever seen. He's still knocking down these difficult threes and these like difficult and going free to the throws. Best. Jeez. All right, it's difficult to get those calls. Not for him. I don't. Listen, man, if you think you can make another hard and go, like, make another one, like the Hove line. It's like, listen, like, if another player could do it so easily, there'd have to be a rule change. But you know why there's not? It's because Harden's adept at this. It's a skill. And, you know, yeah, does it drop off a little bit in the playoffs because they call it differently? Yes. But right now, it's it's not just that. It's great regular season basketball. You don't make a game winner on the Warriors the way he did just off of, like, you know, abusing the rules. Like, I hope you're not, like, just totally discounting him. No, not off that. Yo, that. that game was incredible. That game where he fucking hit the the three and he got fouled, yeah, yeah, that was incredible. That's what he's and been he's, doing. He's has remarkable nights, yeah, but not like a lot of it feels empty to me. It's like when Russell Westbrook goes out and averages a triple double for the season. It's going to be a lot more forgettable to me. I mean, than like I don't even know, like Kyrie season. Curry season that year. The thing with Harden though is that it's like he's chasing like Kobe's records right now, like yeah. scoring records, and it's a lot like the triple double stuff. It's not to discount Russ's season, but like it's not as big of a like stat thing as it as it was before. And what Harden's doing with the the type of defensive attention he's getting because Chris Paul isn't playing, so. You know, he has to do it a lot on his own because, you know, Capella's not that type of scorer. Eric Gordon just finally remembered how to hit threes. Like, it, it's a different story than just, like, <laughs> stealing Steven Adams' rebounds, you know? It, it's not—and Russ is playing great this season as this far as season, playmaking. I agree, bro. But— Another uh, conversation briefly I want to have. Harden is just balling out, man. You can't—you can't—I think it's fun as hell to see him just, like, destroy and pick apart these teams. And and I laugh every time he draws a, a three point foul because it's like you the whole scouting report thing is don't foul him don't foul him it is and you still fucking foul him because he's that good because he's throwing himself into the like he's <laughs> throwing himself that's the shit that gets me tight like oh, you're a you belong on Broadway bro Rent just had their live performance oh, like you God. missed your audition Harden like. What the fuck, bro? Like, how is it every time he's able to extend himself, every pump fake, every, like, that? all right. Their skill in the way that I see him on, like, some of these slow-mos where right before the ball hits the fucking ground, like, literally it's magic that he takes the step, then the ball hits the ground, then he gathers, takes the two steps, and they're not travels, but there are blatant times in games, and it's disgusting to me. And there are times where clearly you know he's not going to make the three, but he pump fakes, and I don't know why they jump every single time, and he gets a fucking foul. Or sometimes they jump straight up. Or sometimes they're just running with him in pace. The reason why they jump is because he's hitting these nutty step backs. And then he's also liable to go to the the hoop and, like, yam it on someone or just, like, make a difficult layup or draw the foul there. It's like his handle is so nice and the body control is there. It's just really difficult stuff. It's It's the same way you have to marvel at, like, you know, Steph's ability to just, like, navigate making these threes. I'm very glad you said Steph. Giannis, 
Like, no, I'm very glad you said Steph because Steph doesn't have a Clint Capella that could work off the pick and roll and open up the shot for him that way. Like I don't think Draymond Green get or I don't I don't know maybe it's Steve Kerr not setting up pick and roll plays for Steph the way James Harden gets pick and rolls and ISOs just for him to take shots like fifty shots a fucking game. It's a different game Bro, plan. But that's what exactly that's what I'm saying. But they are different game plans. I, I wouldn't say that's indicative of the of Kerr and all that. Like Steph gets a open looks still. Come, yeah, he gets with, open looks. He his, doesn't get starting contested lineups looks. an all star team, man. That's why what, that's why what I'm more saying. does he want? <laughs> I'm not saying they need any more. I'm not saying they need any more. But that's the thing to it. That's the caveat. Like he's not getting those touches. Like he could do what Harden's doing. You're saying introduce someone, make someone like Harden. Curry can pull up from anywhere, which makes him lethal as fuck. Like as fuck. Way more lethal than James Harden, in my opinion, because his handle is there too. Like he probably he does he could fucking get you to foul him on a three point floater. Like that's the way Curry could play, but the offense isn't designed in that way. And I don't want to see an offense designed in the way they have for Harden. Like why the fuck is he taking every shot coming up the court? You know, no one else is gonna see the ball. That's not. I don't know. Maybe I'm tired. Of, I we, we talked about ISO play coming back into into what the NBA is today, and I don't know. Maybe I don't want to see it. I mean, it's a math thing. It's like. You have two superstars in Harden and Chris Paul. You're better off isoing them and pick and roll. It's yeah, I'm happy Chris Paul's back. But he's doing the same iso stuff. It's just it's different because it's not Harden. Yeah, and we'll reassess it in in a couple games in because it's still like Chris Paul working his way back into an offense that James Harden was dominating. So I'm gonna give it some time to see how it ages. If it's still this way, nah, they're gonna tire out. Why? Well, I, I think. That's the good thing about Chris Paul coming back is that, you know, this wasn't going to be sustainable for them to Hell do a playoff no. run. Not even McGrady could do it. I think Harden could keep it going, but that's not conducive to, you know, winning a title. But I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like my lefty bias aside for Harden, I just think... That shit is hard to guard. You can't say it's Anyone not f- that doesn't play basketball does not understand how hard it is to not to guard a fucking left hand. It's not... It, it, I think I just disagree with anyone who says it's not fun to watch. Like I, I, I'm really coming around on like the way that Harden's just playing and picking apart everyone. Like, dude, like especially when he's breaking someone's ankles, like that Wesley Johnson thing last year. Like, it's just exciting stuff to watch. Um, and I, I'm definitely on board with you on the idea of like Steph wanting Steph to have more three point attempts. Like the way that. Harden is doing, like, these historic numbers of, like, attempts. Like, Steph could definitely average 30 or 40, like, if, like, he was given, like, free reign to do it and they had a different roster dynamic. Absolutely. And Kyrie could do it, too. I just feel like Al Horford is more of a five-tool guy that's willing to get assists and, like, set picks off the ball, too. He's not just the the on-the-ball pick guy. I don't know. Something about Horford doesn't strike me as Steven Adams or Clint Compello or DeAndre Jordan on pick and roll. Like, they're not lethal off the roll. He is lethal off the roll, but he's not, like, cutting to the basket. Most times he's staying out there to hit the free-throw range. Yeah, it's a verticality thing. You're not looking at him so much as a lob threat. Yeah. He is nasty on the pick and roll. It's just different when you have that lob threat. Yeah. But he has the pick-and-pop game. Which is another yeah, threat. but the way a pick and roll on the like the the layup threat would make Curry way more lethal. Uh, uh, Kyrie way more lethal because if you have someone out in the mid range, well, like the big man knows to roll, but not to roll into the paint. So it's like Kyrie's gonna get you know his layup 
off that. Whereas like the threat is there for the big man to catch a lob, Kyrie could take more step backs, more three point opportunities. I think it's also just the way Boston's offense is. Yeah, they're a good offense. But and, and it'll shape up, even though these young guys are going through it emotionally. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy dealing with trade rumors. It's not, bro. But, but also the ex like Kyrie said, the expectations now this season compared to last last year or anything was like looked at as a positive with all the injuries they had. That's true. That's true. They're not a middle-of-the-pack team with injuries anymore. Oh, and then, like, the East is an arms race right now. Like, I, I hope all of the Eastern Conference contenders try to make a move this trade deadline. And, this, not, like, not just it being like, a, all right, is Anthony Davis going to get traded? I think we see a lot of moves this trade deadline. Who? I can't really—I don't know who, but— Who I, do you want to see in the East? I mean, I just think they could, like, I saw Barkley saying this, like, he felt like they could all use something, and I, I'm definitely on the same page, where it's like, you know, the star power is there, but I think the Bucks could use, and, like, this was kind of shown in the Thunder game with the Bucks is, like, they could use another score, um, they, maybe a, with the Sixers, more three-point shooting, like, I just feel like I want to see these teams get more evened out, so that... They don't get trounced by whoever gets out of the West, you know. Yo, I want to see. Likely. I want to see the Nets get a nasty small forward somehow. Well, when Hollis Jefferson gets back, that's their guy. I mean, yeah. All right, you mean like a star? Yeah, yeah they got right. D'Lo, they got Allen, and they're a six seed with Dinwiddie. You know, move someone like R R H J. They're fucking Kobe. Don't I hate that Brooklyn? Stop calling R H J Kobe. He's not Kobe. <laughs> Like so Karis LeVert, we you know some traction, still nothing like Kobe. But I'm sorry, get someone of that type of caliber out on the wing. You think the Nets could make a deal like that? I think I they're like a star small forward away. Well, I mean they're betting on free agency, having two max slots to get that small forward. Yo, I like the Nets, bro. They've grown on me this season. Great, like Kenny Atkinson is a great coach. I feel like the brand they've built this year is great. They know their identity. They they've picked right with the yes, picks bro. that they have happened to like get. Could have been Kuzma. <laughs> nah, but D'Lo, twenty two yeah. years old, killing it, killing it. Yeah, I think they they're doing really smart stuff with the Nets, and their free agency is going to be interesting to see like how other star players value Brooklyn and like what the Nets are building. Imagine they could put together a package without sacrificing D'Lo and Allen. I just don't see it happening. For a Bradley Beal. The Wizards aren't trading Bradley Beal. That'd be nuts. Yo, ever since Wall went down, they've been playing extremely well. Beal's been playing out of his mind. Yeah. And it's funny to see because of... It's indicative of Wall's presence on this team versus Beal, bro. They need Beal. I mean, the How joke can you on flip the, Wall? The joke on the Wizards is, like all season has been that they all hate each other. And like yeah. it seems like... You know, things have come together, but also the Ariza thing is underrated, too, in that. Oh, my God. Yes. Ariza's nasty. I would want to see the Nets make that kind of move. Like, get a veteran who, who they could add to the rotation without really sacrificing too much. Like, think, like, Paul Pierce when he was on the Wizards, that playoff run. That was, like, pretty yeah, cool so to see. Paul Pierce. Yeah, I mean, look, I... I <laughs> it wasn't when he was on Iguodala the... or... That's, I mean, that was even more powerful. But yeah, some, some in that regard, I would love to see them get like a, a dope veteran who would just like make them even scarier in the playoffs. 
but I, I think they're built to to do some stuff. I mean, they just play smart basketball. The number of threes they take, yeah, how, how they defend. Like Kenny Atkinson's great, and it. I, I really hope that you know that they keep it going because you know I felt bad for them all these years with yeah, it's the tough seeing the picks. all the picks not go to their team. Yeah, but when you think about the players that were like dealt to, I don't think they were that remarkable outside of Jalen Brown. I might be bugging Tatum. Tatum was the pick. It wasn't Brown. They missed out on Tatum. Tatum was part of it. Oh fuck! Fultz. It was Fultz. But technically, it was Fultz. It was the first pick. But I mean, that was traded. For that fucking sucks. They lost the first pick. Yeah, and then um, I, I think there's some other names in there, but um, those were the notable ones. Damn. But, All right, they did lose a lot. They yeah, did for so, shit. You have to think of it that way. All right, I guess. I want to close by saying Kawhi is my favorite person in the NBA officially. Like, officially, bro. <laughs> Just the way he handles interviews, like, on God is so fucking funny, but so, like, admirable, too. Like, fuck you want to know about my private life for? Like, I don't care how you feel about something sentimental to you. Like, I'm living my life. I'm playing good ball. I'll break it down for you, like, how we play on offense, but you're not going to know about my free agency. You're not going to... And he says a very monotone, too, like... I don't give a fuck how you feel. And it's so, like, I don't know why it's badass to me. It just is. Like, he definitely has, like, five burner accounts. Because how are you just this calm? I don't know about five burner accounts. I think Kawhi is just starting to get more comfortable with, you know, it's not so much of a circus like it was last year. And so he's just trying to focus on the season because it would be dumb to answer anything about free agency. It would totally throw off their season. And you don't True. want it to be a thing where it's like, he said this about staying and then the summer was something different. AD shit. A lot of players have done it. I think, I remember LaMarcus Aldridge said he wanted to retire as like a Blazer all-time I remember great. that. And like, yeah, and it was just like, you know, players say stuff like that all the time because they feel the need to just reassure the fan base while they're there, but... I don't th- care, bro. He's the claw. We'll see. I mean... The Raptors might try to make a move for AD to keep Kawhi. Hey. They got young talent. That's a good trait. You know, they got side cam. They got Anunobi on top of, like, a Lowry there. If you want to just not give up anything else, you don't have picks because you're just too good. I don't know. It might work, but we'll stay tuned with that. Yeah, we'll stay tuned, bro. This is episode 12. Thank you guys for listening. It was glad catching up with you, Brody. It was definitely it's great. It's been a while being back in the stew um please be sure to rate subscribe and comment and check us out on instagram deep buckets twitter very soon about to hit it with i was about to say about to hit it with these 140 characters but it's more than that now <laughs> things at times have changed bro and yo by the time we're on volume two i hope that 50 has a billion somehow somehow bro put fuck jerry behind him <laughs> more to come, more to come. <laughs> stay tuned peace